Hello, good afternoon, good evening, and wherever you are in this beautiful world and listening and watching uh, Growing Professionals. Uh, that is uh, Push Through, Use Because. And so today's episode is really about, uh, we're all on a mission to, to discover the most cutting edge LMD techniques for people out there listening, learning and development. So uh, LMD is a sort of short acronym for it. We want to know how companies like yours are dealing with remote learning and remote training and what you see are the most pressing topics for 2021. I have a guest here today called Joe Helton. Thank you very much for uh, connecting with me. And uh, we spoke to each other uh, at a seminar, online seminar workshop uh, last week or the week before. So thank you for connecting back with me. So I really appreciate that. No problem. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, a little bit of blurb about Joe. Joe's uh, an, an assistant professor, so uh, he's, he's quite he's really good. A uh, program director at the UCD Smurfit Graduate School for Business. So he's got a really good academic background here, and he's also ha- has the head of learning development for, with the London-based Project Consultancy, which is the Project Foundry. So lots and lots of. Uh, good areas of teaching, learning, and I really feel a high academic area here. So um, I'm actually honored to be speaking with you, Joe. And uh, could you give me a little bit of a blurb behind who you are and how you got into what you're doing? Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of focus in on the the kind of academic thing and the professor thing. But I mean, I, I consider myself a businessman who teaches. So I'm, I, I, I'm not an academic. Um, I mean, I've I've published a paper or two, but I mean, uh, I think of academics as people who are focused primarily on kind of academic research, um, whereas that's not my focus. My focus is very much on people development. Um, um, I was I was interviewed a a few few years back by um, a a guy called Paul Fagan, who runs um, a coaching business in Dublin, uh, uh, Action Coach. And, uh, and he, he asked me one day, he said, uh, he said, Joe, you've got two words to describe yourself. Okay, what would they be? Um, and I had a little think and I came up with people gardener. And I think that's my approach and it fits in very well with this whole idea of learning and development. So whether it's college, whether it's uh, management consultancy and coaching, uh, whether it's you know, teaching camera clubs to, to, to be better photographers, all of which are hats that I wear. Um, it's it's very much about developing people, helping them to skill up and and do better at what they want to do. And that's my that's my prime focus. And I think that's a, a good way of uh, summarising that because we are people, people. At the end of the day, we all yeah. want to make sure that whoever we teach, and I'm 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 a trainer as well, mm. that they get success and they build on their success after they leave you. So what do you think are the key traits to sort of uh, L&D professionals to sort of that, you know, at that level where you've encouraged them to learn, but you've also encouraged them to grow? So what do you think are the key traits that you can see? I think, and I mean, I'm increasingly, you know, networking to, to link in with other good L&D professionals, because I think if you build your own network of, of like-minded people, you learn from each other. 
And I think one of the biggest things that I see in the really good coaches and the really good trainers is they listen. It kind of almost seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because, you know, you think maybe a coach and a trainer has got to kind of deliver and be the, the sage on stage. But actually, it's quite the opposite. Um, the really good trainers and the really good coaches do a lot of listening and they do a lot of focusing around what is it that my audience needs from me? Not what have I got to bring to my audience. That's the wrong way around. So, so I always try and focus on hearing both the, the what's said but what, what's not said from you know whether it's a, a class of students at university or whether it's a management team looking for you know project management or risk training or whatever or whether it's a camera club wanting to learn about long exposure photography it's it's kind of I, I try and put myself in their shoes and if I was sitting on, on the other end of the zoom call or you know at the other end of the table in the training room what would I want to take from this session what would be the nuggets that would would help empower me, if you like, as, as someone who is here to learn? Um, I like that. Uh, and uh, I always talk about listening skills is one of the, the biggest skills that anyone can have, especially when you're a facilitator. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, wasn't, wasn't it Warren Buffett who said that the, the best investment that he ever made was was going on that communications course and learning proper communication and proper listening? And I, I think that's so telling, you know. Um, I was going to say one of my one of my when I first got into sales uh, twenty five years ago, uh, and I was in London. My uh, sales manager said, two ears, one mouth. Now use it." Yeah, and it's it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. So very often, you know, when when I'm doing learning sessions, development sessions, or whatever. The, this, the first part of the session will be me shutting up and just asking people, okay, what, have you, what are you bringing to the session? Yeah, what, what pain points are you bringing to the session? What challenges, what opportunities, what hopes are you coming today with? And, you know, we might take an hour of a three-hour session sometimes doing that, but that's an hour really well spent because it actually situates everybody and then it yeah. allows you to tailor if you like the material that you've brought to what what the audience really need and, and you know at the end of the day that's what this is about isn't it it's not about just running a slide deck you know and oh i've, I've run my 30 slides job done off off we go it's it's about connecting perhaps some experience that i've got with things that they want to hear and need to hear and, and weaving those together yeah, I, I always find the best way to connect with people, and there's been proven by a lot of neuroscience now, stories are the biggest way to connect with people and resonate with them uh, because we all think in visuals anyway, and we all think in sort of pictures, visuals, or movies, or whatever you want to call it. So if you can create a really good story or metaphor, that's the best way to engage with people, one of the best ways to engage Absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, in my college teaching, I'm I'm known as a storyteller. I'm known as somebody who brings the stories from my commercial career kind of into the classroom. So when we, we you know, we were talking earlier this morning, um, I was I was doing a, a session on stakeholder management, and you know, I was talking about times when I was was running projects or involved in projects, and 
there was you know a stakeholder issue there was a really supportive stakeholder or there was somebody that was negative and how did we how did we kind of deal with these situations yeah. uh, so so important the, the story the the hero's journey um i, I recently did a, a a diploma in kind of professional and creative learning with the innovation academy at ucd um and they introduced us to to this thing called the hero's journey Yep. Um, an incredible cycle but you know and whether it's the hobbit or whether it's luke's luke skywalker or whatever you like that this this cycle is 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 the fundamental basis of storytelling um and it's a it's an incredibly powerful cycle to be aware of as, as any kind of an educator yeah there's a, I, while i was doing that uh, uh, i i went to a story mastery course um a few years ago and it really helped me and prepared to me because the next week I was pushed out to California to present to 200 VCs. Yeah. And I, what I had to do is refine my story, my pitch. And it really helped stand up and really stood. And it was that hero, hero story and who were the characters and where the setting was. So people can get really rich imagination about where you're going to go. But it's really good for education. It's phenomenal oh. for education. Absolutely. I mean, so often my students come to me and say, you know, I've got I've got an interview with Ernst and Young next week, um, you know, and I've got to, I've got to pitch to them and, and kind of make a difference and whatever. And I always say to them, I always say, go in and tell a story. I say the first thing you've got to do is use your is find a hook. OK, so you've got to find some way of engaging the audience with you on an emotional level. They've got to care about you. Yeah. Once you can make them care about you. Then you can go in and tell them how wonderful you are and what your GPA was and, you know, that you passed your leaving cert with 700 points or whatever it was. But if they don't care about you, they won't hear all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to make yourself real and you've got to show that, you know, you've done something that, that mattered or um, you, you, you volunteer or, or something like that. And then then go on to the facts based of it. So like Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, isn't it? The, the start with the why get people involved with you and then move on to the, the what and the how. It's the uh, big thing called trust, credibility and likability. The more yeah. people that they like of you, and I've been in sales and marketing for the last 25 years, so it's really that connection. And if you can build that connection, then uh, all the better for that and the metaphor and the story that you can tell. So, Look, I know you've been into this area for a number of years. Mm. Over the last 12 months, how have you seen the world change in throughout your, from what you can see in your eyes? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, everybody's gone online. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's very um, – unless you're kind of working frontline health, I, th I think most people have been forced online, haven't they? And, I mean, you know, kudos to all the healthcare workers. I mean, just, just you know, total respect – um, to, to, to everybody who has had to go in and, and mask up and gown up um, during this period. We've had it so easy. You know, talk about first world problems, you know, getting to grips with Zoom and remote teaching and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I constantly have to remind myself that however difficult this, this transition has been for us, it's, it's nothing like what, what the guys at the front line have faced. Um, now, that said, it's been a transition and it's been a transition for a lot of lot of educators who were used to face-to-face -face interaction and have yeah. suddenly had to embrace you know a two-inch screen uh, and a camera pointing at you 
which is which is a scary beast um, if you're not used to this stuff. Yeah. I've been using I've been using remote methods to coach for 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, when when the kids were growing up and they're like nine and eight now, my my two little ones, um, we spent six months of the year in South Africa uh, while they were zero to five. Um, <laughs> So every summer we'd go for three or four months, you know, and we'd, we'd, we'd spend about half the year down there looking after Penny's mum who was sick and, you know, eventually died. But I worked from South Africa and I did my coaching and I did my, my classes and things from South Africa at the time via Skype, you know, because Zoom wasn't the thing then. Um, but but it's it's been around for a long time. So the skills have been there. I just don't think they've gone mass market as fast. Um, mm. I mean, a really interesting, a really interesting example of this, I suppose, was was I've I've been into amateur photography for fifty years now, something like that, um, and a couple of times, two or three times a month, I would get invited to go over to one of the camera clubs, you know, and you'd hop off in the car at half six in the evening, and you'd you'd rock up to some village hall at half seven, and you'd talk about photography for an hour or two, and then then you'd go home. So when the kids came home a year ago, obviously all the camera clubs were out of business because all the village halls were closed, nobody could connect and all the rest of it. So I wrote to every camera club in Ireland on the Friday. They came home, the kids came home on the Thursday night, if you remember, just before Paddy's weekend. And, and I wrote to every camera club and I said, you, you may not have realized yet, but there's, we've stopped. And we're not going to be back in the village hall for a long time. But there's this amazing thing called Zoom. And this was before people knew about Zoom. And what we've seen in, and, and I mean, I'm just talking camera clubs. What we've seen in the last 12 months is that camera clubs have totally pivoted. Yeah. Now, this is an audience of primarily 40 to 80-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, the kind of, not the classic demographic for embracing technology, you might think. Mm -hmm. Every single camera club in Ireland and the UK and pretty much around the world flipped into Zoom within three or four weeks and have now run every week and, and, and been able to get speakers from all over the world. And I've talked to clubs in the UK, in, in New Zealand, in South Africa, um, all from the, you know, the comfort of my kitchen table of, a, of an evening. Um, so. I think the, the the last year has been has been a challenge, but it's also been a huge opportunity, mm -hmm. and I think there's been a huge number of different um, communities that have moved online and seen that there's huge possibilities and huge potential benefits to learning and exchanging information. And for the camera clubs as well, I mean, it's provided that that sense of continuity for those communities. Because very often the camera club was the only time some people got out and met other people in the week. So, you know, being able to connect with the 20 or 30 or 50 other people in the club via Zoom has really helped a lot of people's mental health as well as, you know, enabling them to continue with their hobby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a, a big key point now is um, now people are at home and we're still in uh, strict lockdown. I'm not sure yeah. when that's going to change, but it is the the mental health, the well-being, and getting out and exercising and all that. So, what do you think the main sort of 
topics over the next 12 months. How do you think it's going to change with these uh, enabling these skills, but delivering it as a blended approach? Because we have we have fast forwarded five years or maybe more than that to yeah. now. Like we're, we're now we're now we're in the present. Like this shouldn't have happened, but we are where we are. And in some respects, it's been good, and in other respects, it's been obviously not so good. But mm. what do you think the next twelve months will be, and how, how do you perceive that happening? I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the different pulls are from from the kind of the camp that wants us to return to how it used to be which yeah. is in-person teaching and in-person training and and that and the camp that actually doesn't want to go back there that that kind of recognizes that that you know zoom or webex or whatever can give if not the same experience a comparable learning yeah. experience with some pluses and some minuses so I think we're moving to a hybrid model. I think what we're going to find is that, that, that learning and development is offered in both online and co-located spaces from now on. But it won't be one won't be the default and the other won't be the default. It'll be kind of you can choose which one you want to embrace. Now, that requires us as, as educators to embrace skill sets around presenting to camera around structuring work in a slightly different way online. Because, I mean, for instance, I, I shorten my classes because I, you know, I, I don't do any classes that are longer than two hours in length, not now. I, I have a break every 45 minutes yep. to, to allow people. And I'm, I've been reading even more recently that maybe we should take a micro break of like 20 minutes and it do the 2020. You know, is it to, the effect? Is that is that the correct? Uh, um, I, I don't know whether twenty 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 is Pomodoro or whether that's more the chunking of time, isn't it? Yeah, that's but, it. It's but, but this kind of break for twenty tw after twenty minutes, um, and and you know, look at something twenty yards away and something twenty inches away to to give your eye eye strain a, a break and stuff. Um, little things like that make a huge difference in this online space now. So I think we're, we're moving to a hybrid situation. But I mean, for instance, colleges. Colleges face almost an existential threat at the moment. Mm. Because now, you know, they've got their buildings and they want the students to go back to campus to, to justify the, the cost of, you know, running these massive edifices and all the rest. But yet, there's now a big pull from a lot of college students to say, well, why can't I sign up for this course remotely and not have to come to college? And, yep. and it's funny because my full-time students, you know, they, they feel they've left out, they've lost out because they've gone to Zoom and, yep. and they wanted to be in college and they wanted that, that interaction. A lot of the part-time students who are, you know, working full-time and then do an evening class and typically would have had to come to college to do that evening class, mm -hmm. they're saying Zoom's great. Yeah, we love Zoom. We don't mind not being in college. Yeah, it's actually great that I can finish work, yeah, and then I can jump onto my college call, and when I've finished, I don't have to drive anywhere, and I, I'm yeah. done for the evening and stuff like that. So there's there's definite pulls from different directions in terms of what learners want from us as educators, and I think we're going to have to adjust to that, and that's yeah. going to be one of the interesting things: how the institutions adjust their offer 
I think, and how we offer what we've offered in the, in the past. I think that's an interesting uh, topic for discussion, actually, because I like both of them. I like yeah. to be present, and you do still get that. We are social creatures. We are, like, as, as humans, we are very sociable. So, but this last 12 months has turned us to pivot and try and think of different ways to be sociable. Mm. Uh, but it still doesn't beat being in person. I know that for a fact, but uh, uh, it's, it can be a challenging way of doing it. But uh, I think the blended approach is the way of the thought, uh, is where we are all heading and uh, the e-learning. The question I was going to ask, actually, while I'm thinking of it, is we do this online uh, training and education, but where is the habit forming afterwards? Because we know there's 24 hours. Uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. So what happens after that? How do you how do you deal with that? It's it's interesting. I, I got a gig with a, with a big charity recently, um, and I, I've been working with this charity for about a year or so on on various things, um, and they wanted some project management training. So they approached me and they said, Joe, you, you're a project management professor. Can you can you give us some training? And and the ask was for three or four sessions, okay, of if you like, you know, PowerPoint slides. Mm -hmm. And I said, Well, obviously I can come and do that, but I don't want to come and do that. What I want to do is I want to facilitate some workshops with your teams where we, we introduce you to the concepts of project management in the context of the program of work that you've set yourself for the year. Okay. And that's what we did. So we, we you know, I, I might spend 15 minutes and introduce scoping, yeah. for instance. Okay. How do you scope a project? Well, here, here's the things you need. You need in, what's in and what's out and, you know, what can you achieve and what can't you achieve and what, what are in your competencies and what aren't and that kind of thing. And then, send all the teams off to breakout rooms for half an hour to, to, to come up with a scoping statement and then come back and decompose those statements and see where they worked and where they didn't and, and stuff like that. And then the next session, the following week, they've gone back to work, but they've applied the stuff to work. And then we have a debrief session the next week mm -hmm. for the first half hour maybe or whatever. And then we introduce another concept. And we throw them into breakout rooms. So rather than it just being sage on stage, you know, me pushing slides at them, it's I introduce a concept. They go and play with it in a facilitated environment for a couple of hours with me to kind of push them and prod them and say, yeah, this this is OK, but could you have done better here? Or you know, what about this and stuff? Um, and the, the reaction to that has been incredibly positive. You know, and, and they've come back and they've said, this is so much better than training. Yeah, it's kind of, but it is training. It's just better training, isn't it? Because you're connecting them with what they need to know in a in a real environment where they're working on their own stuff rather than just pushing stuff at them and hoping some of it will stick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's the engagement uh that people like and that's sometimes the best way to for people to learn I, like i learn with humor i throw a lot of humor i'm sure you're the same so tell me this how do you create uh, i think you might discuss how do you create an, an atmosphere for learning how, how do you sort of format that i i hope whenever i have a new cohort 
you know, whether it's a new class, whether it's a, a new company that I'm doing some coaching or management training or whatever with, I, I kind of always open up, as, I, as we said earlier on, with the listening bit, okay? Yeah. I want to hear from you. Introduce yourselves. Tell me about yourselves. Tell me about what challenges you're bringing to this, <laughs> this environment. The other thing that I always say, and it's very important to actually verbalize this, okay, is that this, this environment that we're in is a safe space to try stuff and to fail, okay? So I'm going to put new concepts in front of you. I'm going to ask you to look at stuff. I'm going to ask you to, you know, run with an idea or whatever. And if I send you off to a breakout room or, or we have a class discussion or whatever, it's okay if you don't get it or it's okay if you try it and and you know it, it takes a few times to actually figure it out mm-hmm. so i think making learning and development a safe space is really really important because a lot of people come to training sessions and, and they maybe feel they've been pushed into it and they, they feel they've got to pass and, and stuff like that whereas i think that if you can make it a safe space it's a psychologically safe space then that they can engage in and they can let their barriers down a bit and they can they can really throw themselves into it and, and not be worried that they might get it wrong because there is no wrong. they're learning you know um, it's there, there's a saying uh, fell forward uh, yes. and there's no such thing as failure only feedback yes. uh, and uh, and then the Marshall Goldsmith is um, uh, uh, feed uh, feed forward so you yeah. feed forward from what you have learnt but then you adapt it for the next time but that's you right. learned what you did and you move it forward so that's a really good way so how do you personally learn what do you do to learn and grow but stay relevant and up to speed I've started joining a lot more of the kind of webcasts and stuff to, to network with other learning and development professionals as I said, I've just I've, I've put myself through that Innovation Academy diploma in creative learning and stuff. Um, but I mean, mm-hmm. like in the last year, I, re- I reached out to a colleague at UCD, um, Linda Yang, um, and mm-hmm. she 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 created this incredible um, community of of educators at UCD, um, and and we created this thing called the College of Business Intercultural Forum. Now I I said to Linda, this is fantastic. We should write this up. Now, this is from somebody who is a businessman who teaches, not a researcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. she said, "Brilliant idea!" And she found this this um, this this journal, and we wrote a paper, um, and, and that was my first ever peer-reviewed publication. So, if you like, I'm 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 embracing the idea of these different types of education and, and uh, learning, and trying to jump into things I've not done before, but mm-hmm. collaborating with people who have done it before. Yeah. if you like so so i'm hopefully bringing something to the party but i'm reaching out to people like yourself and like linda and you know like alan at the innovation academy um who are experts um so so i'm learning they're they're getting hopefully something and and it's win-win-win awesome yeah i love that and uh, i think within this um it's like being a doctor you have to keep relevant you have to keep it because there's so many new developments and so many different processes that you have to sort of can't learn everything but as long as you niche it down to your area of expertise and then you give the gift back to your students yeah uh, 
And you can't just teach. You've got to teach, but you've also got to do as well. And that's why I do the management consulting and the and the gigs with charities and with companies, because then I'm I'm actually practicing my skills and keeping them current in, in the if you like, the real world rather than in that slightly rarefied atmosphere that you could just end up in of being in college. Yeah. yeah. Practice what you preach. Indeed. <laughs> Look, I really appreciate today. So, um, Joe, could you tell us uh, how people can find out more about what you do? Um, um, yeah, um, my uh, my website for my consulting stuff is 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 Houghton Dot Consulting, and I think that's down at the bottom of the of the screen now. Yep, I can see that floating by. Um, you can e you can email me anytime. It's it's joe.houghton at gmail .com. Um, and only too willing to, to have a chat with anybody um, anytime about any kind of L&D or, uh, or um, you know, learning environment. Yeah, super. Awesome. So really appreciate that today. Uh, you've been listening to Grown Professionals by Use Because. And Use Because is really um, deeper learning from some of the greatest minds that have ever been put pen to paper in some of the most uh, wonderful books out there that you can learn and you can grow. So it's usebecause.com. This will be pushed out over the next coming weeks uh, with some wonderful people like yourself that can actually give some really good, great golden nuggets so we can all learn and we can all grow. So again, Joe, uh, really appreciate the discussion today and thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been good to be here. Hey, before you go, just a quick message about usebecause.com and what we're all about. We believe that true learning happens when you understand, remember, and deliberately practice your newly acquired knowledge. So with that in mind, you can get access to our purpose-built learning tools to help you do just that. So try all our tools for all of our episodes, free for a month, you can cancel any time. For all of this and all of the podcast episodes, head over to usebecause.com. Until next time.